It's Teen, your host for this uh, episode of Escape from Plan A. It's a real treat. It's uh, it's the uh, the two ladies of Escape from Plan A, uh, <laughs> Jess and Eliza. How's it going? Hello. It's going okay. Yeah, it's summer. It's officially like summer, summer, summer. TGIF. Yeah. It's like uh, yeah. end of the it's work. Fourth week, of July too. weekend. It's like fourth the of most July summer weekend. of all summer mm-hmm. weekends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, gonna do be doing barbecue and. Seeing if I can get a glimpse of the East River fireworks, which I have to say, I watched it on TV last year and it was really depressing because it was like still right in the middle of COVID. I don't know if how other people feel this year, but I do feel a lot more festive and upbeat than I feel very upbeat and excited. I love the 4th Mm. of July. I'm not afraid to admit it. My kids were actually, like last year was the first year that we didn't go to um, a protest or a rally for the 4th of July. Mm. And my kids said that they hope it stays that way because they're, <laughs> they're yeah. just like, it's so much more fun to do the parades and like the, the fireworks thing and the cookouts. Mm-hmm. Then to, I don't blame them. I think it's yeah. more fun too. That is a good segue actually into the proposed topic for this episode, which I I think is long overdue and something we... Uh, I'm glad we're here. We've congregated to talk about it. Uh, Eliza, just before we were about to record, you had sort of started to to sort of uh, name, <clears throat> sort of frame the issue. And I thought the way you had framed it was really interesting. So do you want to, can you, um, yeah, can you kind of go, go over that again, especially the yeah. comparison to Latinos? Yeah. yeah. I think that in the weeks, um, in, a, in the recent weeks, I've seen so many articles and like YouTube videos and news segments talking about the Latin, sh- the great Latin American, um, no, that's not the right way to say it, Latino American shift rightwards in politics and how that's going to affect the midterms and how it's going to affect the election of 2024. But no one ever talks about the Asian American shift to the right. Yeah. So that's I think what I want some to do. people mention it. Yeah, some people mention it, but it's kind of like a footnote, and it's it's useless journalism because they're just talking. It's mostly scaremongering, um, or if it's written by someone who is like non-white, it's kind of scolding. Always scolding, and when they talk about the Latino shift to the right, it's always talked about in a much more respectful way that I think is. Um, I think it's actually like productive where it's like, okay, what is the messaging that they, that is like, that is, that they're responding to? What is it? Mm-hmm. And how can we replicate that for the Democrats? And for me, I'm just like, well, why don't you do this for Asian Americans? Right. When, whenever it's somebody who even attempts to ask that question, it's like the answer is already a foregone conclusion. Oh, just, you know, handmaids to white supremacy, uh, clearly. Right. A white adjacent, um, you know, <clears throat> rep- Republicans, clearly. And then it's just left at that. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, it's it's like, do you care if they 20 don't even million, bother up to 20 million people... The- are shifting away from your party yeah it's like the tone isn't even like these are valuable votes it's like well fine go vote for the other guy then fuck you um well sure all right that's what's happening then Mm -hmm. there is no attempt to explain or understand this at any there's no outreach there's no um there's nothing it's always so blameful 
Yeah. And they don't even bother going over the issues of why are Asian Americans shifting to the right? They just straight up blame, 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 blame. Do, do you think that's cha- that's changing at all? Because I, I would say that I agree with that generally, but I have seen a, a little bit of a shift ever since um, initially the San recall Francisco? of the school. Yeah, the San Francisco recalls, oh, uh, yeah. which I have had heard described as uh you know a political earthquake uh <laughs> and um do, anyone I mean, that's been following asian americans in um anyone that's been following suburban normie apolitical asian americans in the suburbs it's yeah. been it's been broil it's it, you know it's been like an undercurrent for a few years actually and mm. now it's finally coming to a head where it's making a big dent in elections and it's yeah. making real news, but it's, yeah, it's, it's making real news. And, and and I think that um, you know, just just thinking off the top of my head, it does seem to me that I think that to the extent people, you know, when you know, I totally agree with this concept that when it comes to say Latino uh, uh, Latinos in America, when they and, and especially, I mean, this is especially true of whites, is when white quote swing voters which are like you know what everyone's after who everyone's after when they come out and say throw their support behind the republican um the liberals start having this like may this this come to jesus moment where they're like well how do we shift how do we change messaging how do we appeal to these people right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh but but the opposite the when it's asians you're right nobody shifts messaging to accommodate Asians, all that happens is you get a bunch of Asian self, you know, often self-appointed political uh, and thought leaders saying, what's wrong with us? How do we fix Asian people? And, Dr. Yeah. Janelle Wong. Yeah, like a Janelle Wong. Exactly. And this is a Dr. Janelle Wong diss track. 100. Oh, my God. She's like, I mean, how, how often does she how much does she love going to? I mean, I think the central problem that I have with her is she's just completely self-contradictory on her own terms. So she'll say stuff like, um, you know, oh, there, you know, when it comes to the the quote overrepresentation of Asian students in some of these really you know sought after schools and school districts, she'll say it has nothing to do with the the uh, it's to say that it has anything to do with Asian people and their f- cultures. Uh, you know their their focus on education and test prep and, and all this stuff. That's bullshit. That's race essentialism. That's cultural essentialism. That's anti blackness, right? But then when it comes to uh, you know other issues, she's happy to say, "Oh, there's a lot of anti blackness and misogyny embedded in Asian culture." I'm like, that's not Asian cultural essentialism. <laughs> you know? Remind me what so, school yeah. she teaches at. Univers- is it our, our school? Our, yes, she's the head of Asian American Studies at our school. <laughs> so University of Maryland, of Maryland then. University yes. of Maryland is 20% Asian. Yeah. So 20% of 41,000 people is a lot of Asian people. Yep. What is the yeah. what is the percentage of Asians in Maryland itself? I, I, I can't imagine. Well, you know what? I have no idea. Uh, that's right a good now. question. It, it, it shouldn't would- be very low, but I can't imagine it's very high either. Have you seen um, Columbia and Montgomery County? Yeah, that yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it must be. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like okay above fifteen. So okay, we're both Maybe wrong. 15? We're both okay. wrong. 
6.2% of the total population of Maryland. Yeah. Okay. I believe but it. But 20% of the University of Maryland. Wow. What I want to know is if she would have these same complaints and accusations of her own school. Oh, I'm sure she would. She has tenure. Oh, <laughs> uh, she's tenured? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're, they're contradictory opinions if you take them at face value. It, over the years, well, and if you kind of add up where it points it kind of points to um it's a it's a really it's a really awkward uh it's a really awkward kind of power play she's making on behalf of asian people we cannot be we cannot we are un, fundamentally unknowable culturally speaking um in other <laughs> words no one can speak on it or know anything about it we are mysterious we're the mysterious orientals honestly in uh, in her and other people like her, the way she like like fundamentally, there is no way that anyone can understand what Asian people are truly like. To try to speak on it or categorize it or classify it is fundamentally a racist project. Then she is um, the head of Asian American Studies at University of Maryland, which has a twenty percent Asian American student population. Like yeah. nobody finds this to be like that's a contradiction right there. Well, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm actually... sure she would speak out against that if, if given the chance. I mean, I, I, I think she, I think she, I don't really think like. Well, I mean, we could talk about these people for a sec. I mean, they don't particularly interest me because I think that they really are being revealed now to like Janelle Wong is absolutely not the story. I think. <laughs> No, she's not uh, the story. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I think. I think the story is... is San Francisco and what. That I was going to say that the story is the purple suburban areas where yes. Asian yes. American normies who are swing voters or apolitical, pick wh- whichever description you want to say, they are the ones that are like leading the charge here. They are the great shift. Yeah. They are the majority yeah. of the voters, of Asian yeah. American voters. In yeah, I mean, the, the yeah, East I mean, Coast that's... equivalent to Lowell was that school in Loudoun, right? And and TJ as well um, in Fairfax County. That's in Loudoun. County. Yeah, that's. Oh, was that la- I thought that was Fairfax County or whatever, but um, but yeah, I like mean, Virginia, a... DC, Maryland, Virginia area. I thought that Loudoun County good. was in Fairfax, Virginia. I think it's a different county that's like west of that area. <laughs> yeah. It's all the same. It's Northern Virginia. Well, there's a uh-huh. bunch of flagship it's stories that have summer. come out of of, uh, of the East Coast, right? Like Thomas Jefferson High School. I mean, to take it a little bit further back, right? Like education has been a hot button issue that has really mm-hmm. brought out Asian and Asian American parents specifically as a really organized, cohesive political force. We're talking like uh, like the New York City um, magnet schools. Mm-hmm. Right, teen selective um, high schools, etc. Yeah, it's not and... just at the selective high schools either. It is bleeding into like just your normal. Oh yeah, it's all over the place. I just remember systems. that the the like the merit based uh, schools, like like New York was the first that you we kind of heard mm-hmm, like the mm-hmm. first bells ringing. With the on, SAT, uh, yeah, with the SAT issue. Yeah, Richard Carranza, who was who was the school chancellor, who. Was our sort of Allison Collins, right? And yeah, um, he got booted out too. Yeah, so, and we're talking yeah. like Thomas Jefferson High School. I think what is that? Where is that? Virginia, That's Northern Virginia. Virginia. It's a, Virginia, it's a decent yeah. group. I think it started with the Harvard admissions scandal and the, their lawsuit, and then it started moving down towards high school. And now, I mean, we're talking like K through twelve, like or even you know. I think you're right. I think it did start with colleges and and then like especially Ivy League and then this sort of sense that Asian Americans were being discriminated against. 
Everywhere. And then, and then, yeah, and then it started to trickle down into uh, the the high school right. systems. So and I think we can take it way back. And the first win this. for this coalition, the first win for that coalition, then is stuff like is a is stuff from past decades. Then like a, abolishing a for, like race based admission in like the University of California system. Yes. So I guess if we yeah. really take it back, you know, the, the thing that kind of un, unwinds the whole idea that Asians and Asian Americans are apolitical, don't get involved. Um, they do get involved. It's just on very specific issues. It's just right. that now that everything has come to a head, that things like education are magnified in scale and importance because it's uh, right. particularly after Harvard COVID. didn't mobilize yeah. Asian Americans in the suburbs and the purple areas the way that um, school boards are simply because like everyone's realistic. Like most of our kids aren't going to go to Harvard, but mm -hmm. once we get down to the school board issues, we're talking about K through 12, everyone's kids have to go through that system. And that's why you have such an uproar among like all these normies that are suddenly taking an interest, an active interest in local politics. And I think two things happened to accelerate it. And it was one, it was the pandemic. And then it was two, when the pandemic happened, everyone had like, you know, school was suddenly in your living room because everything went remote. And like, I would never attend a school board meeting here ever. And I still probably wouldn't. But the fact that I can just click into like a Zoom meeting wherever I am, like I can listen in while I'm driving or I can listen in while I'm at the pool, I'm going to do it. And now I can hear everything that they're talking about. And you have to, you start asking questions like, is this really going to help any of our kids? And I think yeah, that's what a lot of parents are going through. They're just like, what does what does any of this, what do these 10-hour meetings, like what you guys are arguing about, and we can all hear it, what you guys are voting on, how does this help our kids in any way? Like, do we really have to spend $50,000 of our budget so that like Ibram X. Kendi can give a talk, you know, in a school assembly? Does, do we really have to do that? Yeah, there was a really interesting piece. Uh, those are like the kinds of things that they're just like, they argue about every single thing possible in these school yeah. board meetings. Like anything that like you can think of. Like everything but education, right? Yeah. Well, that's what the parents want to argue about. They yeah. want to talk yeah. about like, we send you and we expect you to just teach them what they need to learn to move on to the next step, whether it's middle school or high school, college prep. And the school board which is what now what we know of is made up of mostly like DEI consultants and, and activists Wait, who don't so, even have children. So Liza, are you saying that the parents are are broadly uninterested un in the in these sort of like I'd say cult, you know, race race and culture matters and and stuff like that? Or no, they're interested in that too. The parents it's everything. They're, they're interested yeah. in all of it. No, but I mean, are they pushing for it or are they? Are they saying that the school board, the school board members are are too invested in this, or or and is there a mix the of parents? Are, yeah, are, are there parents is there tension among parents? The parents? Yeah. Are I, parents fighting so like I feel, teachers and school boards? Mm -hmm. I feel that the tension is over. A lot of parents are upset with the school board's absolute obsession with teaching things like equity or like ah, certain okay. ideologies. And they're placing that over the actual education of the students, which should be, can they read? Can they write? Can they do math? 
How are they going to do in science? Like we're put like if STEM jobs are the only way for our kids to get like high paying jobs in the future, are you preparing our children for that? Because, or is it more important for our kids to understand that like algebra is like white supremacist? (laughs) That's an interesting reframe because, um, um, like there's a, there's a couple of articles, I think in the Atlantic, the New York times that covered, uh, the fight, of in San Francisco, like especially over the recall, like the Allison Collins recall from last year, they kind of seem to suggest that it's parents fighting other parents. And like a, a certain coalition of parents that are kind of sw- like overwhelming school boards, right? Like there's descriptions of like like school board meetings where it's parents basically like. Uh, wait, no, I'm sorry. That's that one. That article was about gentrification. That was about NIMBYs. Never mind. Not about school boards. I retract. Oh, the suburbs are filled with NIMBYs. That's the reason yeah. we all live in the suburbs. Yeah, but it's like it's like ridiculous little like like fights. That's a town um, hall meeting argument. That's not school board. But yeah, they are fighting but, about that in the town halls all the time. So it's just like overall, the, the picture that I got is that people are a lot like it's it's people with uh, some serious skin in this game. Right. So we're talking like property owners. Yeah, as in we live parents. here. We live here because yeah. we, own, we own land and property here. And then like the school systems and the schools that we are proud of, part of the reason we move out here and pay such high property taxes are like they're failing. They're not doing mm-hmm. what they're supposed to do. You know, yeah. you've got like fourth graders that can barely do second grade math. And this is supposed then, to be one of the top schools, the top public schools in the state. It's what so happened? bad. I saw a new statistic, uh, like in a country where like about 360 million people now, about 118 million adults can barely read at the eighth grade level. And of that number, about half can only read at the fourth grade level. This is across the entire United States. Yeah, it's this a is real a huge failure. problem. Fourth yeah. grade is, is nine problem. years old. I mean, think about that. Yeah, you're not um, even yeah, reading I'm, Harry I'm, Potter yet, really. I still, I see the effects of that. Like, uh, like I'm, like I'm, I'm doing some like UI UX homework, um, and a big part of the big part of like the guidance now is really to dumb down content on the internet. Uh, it, they call yeah, it, it accessibility. I mean, and accessibility has its own like track, but it's like it's kind of it's kind of uh, like accessibility is about like handicap access to make sure it's readable by like e like uh, for like vision impaired and hearing impaired people uh, t- who use aids for the internet. But generally, like that, I feel like it has expanded quite a bit into um, like you have to assume most people who interact with your product aren't actually go- going to be able to read at a high enough level. So it's up to you to. To uh, to simplify and dial it way way down um, to help the users navigate this. This is a kind of this is an unheard of thing. I feel like outside the United States, like we, how do we have a country that has like technology this good and uh, like half the adult population can't access it? Just literally cannot <sighs> read the box it comes in or something. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is absolutely crazy. <laughs> Um, that aside, like, okay, so the parents, obvi- okay, so you're saying the parents want their children to just be able to learn the standard things that you, you send them to school to learn. Um, what yeah. is the response from, what's the tone of the response from the leadership then? Is there antagonism? It's exactly what you would expect. Yeah, there's definitely a ton of antagonism because a lot of the school board members, they have a lot of money invested into these like DEI, equity teaching. If you want to know how it's done in like how it's done practically, it's um 
Have you guys ever heard of like SEL in school? Social no. emotional learning? No. The first no. time I saw it was when the kids were in remote school during COVID when everything shut down. And um, my son, who was at the time in first grade, it starts there, like 15 minutes every day, he would have to do some social emotional learning. And on the surface, it sounds great. You know, it's like, if you can dream it, you can do it. Or like, <laughs> homework isn't hard. You just have to put your mind to it and you can do it. But Is this like softer motivational posters or something? That's what you would think it is. But actually, Like it's hyping yourself way- up to... To do that's, a what thing? You, that's what it sounds like yeah. it is on the surface. But if you uh-huh. really listen carefully, like I would sit next to my son while he would do it and I would listen in on the class and it's actually a way to, to like integrate that a certain kind of ideology into the curriculum. And I think that what there's you, a lot of overreach you, there. Like what, <laughs> what kind of ideology? We t- yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, give us, yeah. Give an so, example. so, Mm-hmm. Yeah. So teaching kids about like um, teaching kids a little bit of like an introduction to like sex education or like gender ideology or like, you know, it's OK if you think you're non-binary. It kind of like it's it's putting they, wait, the it's, they, it's they actually said that the, in a no, no of course class. they never no they don't say okay. that. But if you uh-huh. know what if, if once you see it, you can't unsee it. I see is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's like it, they they start to like filter it in little by little, okay? And they teach them these concepts before the kids are even aware that the concepts exist. So the first time they're hearing about it is through school. I mean, explicitly about gender identity or are you saying through other means? Through other means. Through other means at the first like, grade level. When you get up higher and higher, it becomes much more explicit. It's implicit right. when it's in the primary grades. How do they imply it? Like how, Yeah. What what's the angle of attack or what's the method of entrance here for them? Um, um, so it's, it seems perfectly harmless at first, you know, and then it becomes a little bit more encouraging towards it, you know, as opposed to just objectivity. Towards... Uh, I would say why well, I don't know why it needs to be introduced at all. Like SEL is fine for me if you just kept on this whole like if you could dream it you can do it or you can do anything if you put your mind to it you know stuff like that. But like what Hang what was there. I'm just I'm really curious yeah. about this actually. What what did what was the what was the first thing you heard them say or teach that that sort of uh, set set your alert levels on on high or or you know whatever. Um, I think it was like, if you think you might be non-binary, maybe you should like check out this website or read this book. Oh, so they actually did say that they, they, they did mention that in, in the first grade They class. said, they said the term non-binary, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought you said that they never said that, but they were suggest hinting it. Okay. I see. In first grade, huh? It was very gentle. So it's like, so like, so this is like. Like affirmations or something at the start of the day? Uh, it was at the end of the day when they typically have health class. Oh, okay. And okay. To, like, I didn't know what health was. I didn't realize that health had a lot to do with SEL. I thought that health was just going to be like, you know, you got to eat your vegetables every day. I, I have a question, Eliza, because uh, you you being the, the a parent, 
aren't all young kids sort of non-binary to begin with? Right? Like, aren't, aren't, aren't all kids sort of, like, not really all that gender differentiated compared to, like, you know, after they hit puberty and stuff? I don't, I don't think so. It's not been my experience at all. Yeah, boys are very different than girls. No matter what, it, like, even if you try to do a gender neutral thing, your boys yeah. will gravitate towards certain things and so will, so will the girls. They just will. Uh, okay. The girls will yeah, constantly think- gravitate towards, like, baby dolls and, like, little dresses or, like, let's play, like, let's play with, like, kitchen toys, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. boys will always go for, like, dinosaurs and, like, trucks. Right. <laughs> or, like, video games. Yeah, I think there's a there's a, a lot. I mean, we're probably opening a giant can of worms here, and I don't mean to I don't mean to get into this uh, too much here. Just as as a grown adult who ha- who doesn't have children but still kind of following the, along with this, there's a little bit something weird about gendering the kids for them. I mean, not not as in like like calling them boys or girls necessarily, um, but like like putting a sexuality to it. Mm-hmm. From a really young age, I feel like as adults, it's our job to kind of ensure that they kind of have like. To me, they are asexual until until they start until they become adults, right? Until so or it's at least a little bit strange school when they all when the hormones start raging and they uh yeah. But like as an adult, for me, like like they don't have asexuality. We, like legally, we even decided this, right? They right. cannot consent yeah. even. We have special yeah. carve outs if it's like, if they are like like messing around with each other. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. as far as like society goes, we as adults have decided that children as a class are asexual. Uh, there is a little bit something weird about uh, like, like talking uh, talking about sexuality as a concept with these people that we have legally uh, constructed as asexual beings. Um, that's that's my. It just it's just weird. It's weird to be thinking of a child as having a sexuality or a sexual mm-hmm. orientation. Mm-hmm. Um, this is which is completely different from like what kind of toys they gravitate to, or like uh, like if a boy is curious about nail polish or something like that's that's completely that's that's not an issue here. But it's it's that we're trying to like parse out asexuality for these kids uh, on like. Or, using or even a, very a gender adult identity, honestly. Yeah, well, even like, a gender identity. It's it, to me the problem with this stuff is not necessarily whether the the thing that they're teaching is right or wrong. It's like why is the school why does it have even to be talking taught? about this? Yeah, yeah like yeah. To, to me, to this is a very personal. This should be something that's just that's dealt with and managed by the parents. That's what uh, the parents much are fighting. They're just like, how does this help my kid read? How does this yeah. help help my kid comprehend? How does this yeah. help my kid write? And how does this help my kid do math? It doesn't. It's got nothing to do with it. Yeah, like the school. It is like, extracurricular. I feel, like I feel like it's definitely like mission creep where the schools almost, or the school boards almost feel like it's their job to raise your kid for you. Well, that's what I keep saying about how if you pay attention to who is running the school board, who's on the school board, this is where the problem is. It's like, you know, everyone always says, follow the money. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly what you have to do here. A lot of these school board members um, are not part of the community. They didn't grow up here. Mm. They don't have, a lot of them don't have children. A lot of them are employed by like DEI consultancies. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them have relatives who are employed in these consultancies or they're like DEI um, activists. And that, if you this are, sounds like Alison Collins, you, like she's not a teacher. She's not. An that's why I'm saying she's not. She's she's not she's an aberration. Her, her there's husband's Al- like a real estate developer. There's there's yeah. Alison Collins in like every school board now. 
Right. When right. we when nobody was looking, you know, like everyone who studies um, or who researches like political corruption, everyone knows that the corruption is going to fester most where people are not looking. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened to the Department of Education. Everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I think to an extent. It's like it's whatever kind of, people it, ask, like the the budget for this school district is like in the millions or in the billions. And where did the money go? Why are the schools like how come they don't have air conditioning? How come the school lunches look like shit? It's it's like where'd the money go? Well, the money went to the DEI industry. That's who is like bleeding out the, the Department of Education and the budget, the taxpayers' money. For listeners, DEI being diversity, equity, and inclusion is sort of this uh, terminology for almost like uh, kind of like corporatized consulting uh, model where they'll they're making audit, a killing right now. Yeah, they'll audit institutions and sort of like review processes and procedures and stuff to see whether they're maximizing their you know efforts to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion, typically mm-hmm. along gender, sexuality, racial lines, right? Um, is the and they the have the money the to do like a smear campaign on somebody like a parent who wants to run for school board but doesn't mm. have like the credentials that they might have like a phd and they will literally come out and say like you're nothing but a stay-at-home mom when like in the past school board was run by like stay-at-home moms who else pays that much attention to what their kids are doing at school uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're trying to professionalize it, but yes, you know, let's look at the kind of PhDs they're getting anyway. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. an interesting part about following the money on this one. Um, the I felt like you know when we were when we were coming up, this was this was starting to become a thing, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and we all, I think we can all agree that you know schools had a ways to go to be properly nurture like like be nurturing and be understanding of kids from like different different backgrounds, different races, all of that. Like there was there was there's always room to improve on that front. So that's how it got so that's how it got started from good intentions. But now with like school board, their budget especially when their budgets are being cut, to see that, you know, money that is being taken from like revamping the computer lab um, is going directly to DEI initiatives. Mm-hmm. Like everything else can get cut, but somehow there's more and more money devoted to like DEI stuff. It's like at mm-hmm. that one at that point, what is this DEI for? What are you including? What are you trying to include these kids in? What, is, what are you trying to diversify? You're, there's not. There's less and less that these the kids George need Floyd to be properly. Uh, were like a humongous cash grab for these consultancies yeah. and a lot of these school board members. Everybody's rewriting the curriculum. Everybody has to like sign a statement. Uh, well, yeah, and, and then look what happened to BLM. And I think that um, you know y- y- there was a time when you know this was like known by a lot of people that 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 BLM was was being co opted and and you know like Deray that era like Deray McKesson mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then now it's just like there's 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 actually like investigate like law enforcement investigations going on <laughs> and I think an IRS investigation going on mm-hmm. into like what BLM's actually doing with that money because they're just like buying houses with it <laughs> you know, you're like the fuck employing you know? their family members and just giving yeah, them like, salaries it, to do nothing to do yeah, like I YouTube mean, cooking channels yeah I, I watched the one with the founder in the, the six million dollar Topanga Canyon uh, mansion and she's just like making She's making like lemonade or something in it in this like amazing kitchen. Here's how you make uh, instant oatmeal. <laughs> yeah, 
in this giant like fancy kitchen built on like literally like murdered the backs of murdered people um <laughs> it's it's just it's out of this world seriously um i think they so do I don't serve a function these people series... which is to like take oh sorry go ahead uh no i think i was just i was just done um yeah. i can confirm that this is this is kind the dei industry is kind of a problem in the tech industry as well um, I don't mean to hijack the conversation. Just, just kind of saying, like, so I, I I've Jess seen little out hints. There for a sec, Jess, can you hear us? Oh, yeah, I can hear you. Did I missed I drop the out? last thing that she said. Oh, uh, I don't know where I dropped, but I was just confirming that I've seen kind of the same thing going on at a probably at a much lower but still significant scale um, in tech. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just these. Uh, again, another place where you probably can't con- you can't argue that. The industry has a lot of work to do to actually be a to be a healthy industry as far as um and like like managing people of different backgrounds, making sure everyone has a fair shot at success, all of that. Um, it's just it's it's just like Ellen Powell is a great example of exactly this dynamic here. Like like she's a former VC turned uh, she tried to run her own VC for a while, but now she's primarily she primarily makes her money being a DEI consultant to companies, like hmm. to large and small companies. But it's enormous amounts of money that you basically pay to have your company audited and then certified as like free of bigotry or something. Um like she and people like her will push for uh, businesses that really don't have the kind of budget to be doing this, by the way, to be spending a lot of money on DEI at other, you know, at the expense of other things that a business might need to basically get like, I it, it feels very Catholic in a way. Like you go, you pay these people tons of money and they'll like, they'll write you a little like note that you are have been cleansed of your sins or something it doesn't actually ch- and if it actually helped i wouldn't mind so much but it actually doesn't it makes people very res- it p- makes people very reactionary against the concept of this and it it weakens companies that actually kind of fall for the grift um and ultimately does nothing to advance anyone's interests except uh provide money for these dei grifters which is another reason why they shut down any kind of opposition. If you allow mm-hmm. the opposition, they can't get paid. Yeah. Almost kind of like if, if you know how they always say like, well, the anti-racist um, grifters, they rely on seeking, they, they rely on looking for racism everywhere. Otherwise they're out of a job. Mm-hmm. They're Same actually, they are, the actually are not incentivized schools, to see an end to these problems. Do, Right. The worse the schools do, the more money that these people can demand. Mm -hmm. Because once the schools start doing well, it's like, okay, well, your job is done. There's no more need for you. We don't need a consultant anymore. Yeah. So they they profit off of this like this uh, this this recursive like rage spiral. Mm-hmm. Then the backlash against them is their justification for why they need to double down and why the school district or whatever needs to give them, you know, twice as much money for the next year so they can like purify the entire the entire place and then you know magically everyone will be happy again and successful. Well, I think I think it's much worse than that actually. I think I think that a lot of these DEI consultants are uh, playing both sides um, in that they're. You know, I think of it more as a mob protection racket and it functions, I think, I think this flourish. I don't think it's going to last very long, but I think it did flourish. 
The bubble will burst, yes. And I think it it thrived for a period when cancel culture was sort of peaking. And there was a lot of public uh, mania and hysterics um, around, you know, getting getting bad men fired, right? And um, I thought for a while it was like, okay, well, you know, if the if th- this is like, you know, maybe an overreaction or a particular sensitivity towards, um, you know, the entrenched power of white men or whatever. But I, the thing that started to clue me in that there, there might be something a little bit more uh, uh, deliberate and uh, uh, kind of more fucked up going on was Tina Chen, I think is her name. She was over at, um, what was, what was the name of that? Uh, where, where was she again? Um, it was like, um, uh, it was like a, a fun, a nonprofit that was organized, uh, in order to defend women who wanted to, uh, bring legal action against like their bosses and stuff. Oh, time's up. Time's so she, up. Tina, yeah, okay. Tina Chen, uh, who was, by the way, she was a, a partner at SCAD and ARPS. She, she's, you know, so we're talking about like a shark. Okay. <laughs> I um, take it that's a high powered law firm. Blue it's chip a law very firm high powered litigation oriented law firm. Right. She's a, okay. she's a shark. And, and she was a, she was a litigation partner there. So she, uh, uh, had she became the uh pre- the chair of Times Up, which I again was a and was a nonprofit organized specifically to pay the legal fees of women who wanted to speak up against their bosses, and they you know the, which is a good cause, right? Well, the reason she had to step aside was it turned out that she was selling or otherwise advising Andrew Cuomo on how to handle. <laughs> All of the all of the um, sexual uh, sexual misconduct allegations that were uh, being brought against him, and they were actually assisting him. She was assisting him on how to uh, sort of drag Beat the charges. The, yes, how well, to there spin was, it well, for like for for the media. Oh my god, much worse. He had a former aide uh, who was was saying that he had. Uh, been very, you know, been very inappropriate with her, let's say, physically as well. And they were helping him come up with ways to uh, drag her reputation through the dirt in public, which is a classic, you know, uh, you know, rape defense, right? (laughs) Is to say that, well, she was, she can't be believed. She was asking for it. She was asking for it, or she's a liar, she just She's wants just money, and, money fame. and the fame. Yeah. yeah. And then she was actually uh, consulting for Andrew Cuomo on how to do this. So not only were they, you know, I think some of the people thought like Tina Chen resigned because they were mis- misappropriate. They were not uh, using the funds for their intended purpose, which is a whole other problem because very little of the money ever went to paying for lawyers. Most of it went to uh, paying for very elaborate um and luxurious uh, retreats for the people who work for the employees, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 all that stuff. But the the fact that they were playing the other side of this, and they were actually doing the exact opposite of what they said that they would be doing, which is to protect women. They were actually trying protect women who were bringing accusations, but they were actually going and trying to smear 
a woman who was doing exactly that made me realize like i think that this is a they're playing both sides they're this is it's nothing a prote- but money yeah it's a protection racket right it's like we are going to bring the pressure like time's up is going to bring the pressure like we're going to encourage women to uh bring charges and then under the table we'll help you beat the charges <laughs> you know <laughs> Um, and I was so like, disgusting. wow, this is really, really sick. You know, and I think no, you're, cor- these- you're right. You're right. I have my own examples, um, for, again, from, from the tech industry. Like I said, like you can hire these companies to basically like exercise, exercise in the Catholic sense, your company and declare it, you know, you know, discrimination free, you know, a good place to work for women, minorities, you know, uh, marginalized gender identities, sexualities, all of that. Um, problem with that is like after you have that certification it's very hard to then for someone who was mistreated at this company to to uh, complain about it because they have an ironclad defense they hired the best of the best and you know they these organizations declared them you know bigotry free so this this woman or whoever must clearly be you know out of her mind she was just a bad employee it it makes the case harder for her to prove that there was something bad going on inside yeah. behind closed doors yeah. and we i think we're all way too old to fall for we've been around the block way too many times to fall for the but like the idea that like some certification means that this organization is clean yet it still works in public opinion yeah they hired a friendly they hired a friendly looking you know like like black man or woman or you know wh- whoever or a trans person or whoever to lead this organization and that the, they did a full audit uh made some corrections in their recruitment retention all hr all of that and it's it's good so this employee clearly must be one of the bad ones who were doing this in bad complaining about the company in bad faith mm, yep yep i just want to prove that what i'm saying is not a, an exaggeration this is from npr this is not a fringe uh, story about what happened to Tina Chen. So this is from the NPR. We'll link it in the show notes. It says, Tina Chen has resigned from her position as president and CEO of Time's Up, an organization whose mission is to protect women from harassment. It was the latest fallout from charges that Time's Up leaders privately consulted with then New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Over the past few months, sexual abuse survivors have accused Time's Up leaders of betraying them. After New York Attorney General Letitia James reported that they had consulted with a top Cuomo aide about how strong a stand Time's Up should take on the allegations. News reports alleged that Chen and board chair Roberta Kaplan gave feedback on an unpublished opinion column that smeared Cuomo accuser Lindsay Boylan. And the Washington (laughs) Post published text messages in which Chen told colleagues to, quote, stand down from releasing a statement in support of Boylan. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's unreal. That is unreal. So she said, I'm, this is Tina Chen, quote, I am especially aware that my position at the helms of Time's Up has become a painful and divisive focal point, she said in her resignation statement. Those very women and other activists who should be working together to fight for change are instead battling each other in harmful ways. You mean you? <laughs> <laughs> Those wow, other women? What a, what a scumbag. <laughs> Holy I shit. mean... This is the kind of thing I'm talking about. These people are sharks. This, these are, these are to me, the definition of wolf in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. And and they mm-hmm. use the most sensitive topics of the politically charged topics of the day to uh, disguise themselves as sheep 
as the protectors of, of women. The Department of Education is like the perfect sheep's clothing too. Yeah. But they're hardcore wolves, these people. Yeah. I mean, she was mm-hmm. a corporate – Chen was once upon a time a corporate lawyer in Chicago and became uh, chief of staff to Michelle Obama. Mm-hmm. She founded the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund. I mean, she she knew where the money was. She knew how this whole, mm-hmm. you know, economic this whole economic con game works. Mm-hmm. And she's in, you know, on the one hand, the you know, she's got the public facing uh protect all women, hand me your funds, I'm going to prey on your sympathies. And on the other, she's like, I'm going to make some money uh helping Cuomo quash this young bitch who thinks she's who's got the <laughs> Who's got the balls to go against the the Cuomos? You know, I mean, it's Time's unbelievable. Up, but also, the level let me slut shame. Uh, you're yeah. a slut shamer. I mean, it's just unbelievable the level of grift. She's played this. She's played this a couple of times. Then, then at the beginning of Times Up, then her or someone in that organization is saying, "I spent my career, you know, being being abused by these kinds of men, going up against them. So this is my just. So my, you know." My my pitch to you, you know, the beleaguered women of Hollywood and, and America at large. I know how these people work. I know how they. I know how to win against them. This is why I can be charged with the responsibility to run an organization like this with the mission it has, um, because I know these men. So she does this for a while, and then she uses that experience as a pitch to the monsters again. Mm-hmm. This is this is next level shit here. Yeah, but what's 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 surprising to me is just how. Because we're it's playing off people's sympathies like this, even though this was reported in mainstream outlets like NPR, I, I still think the the point of it hasn't really never really hit home. And I think it, it it is ultimately, I think, incumbent, like you said, Eliza, for the sort of normie population to see it and experience it for themselves. You could read about it in the media and just and, and I think most people would react to this like, wow, that Tina Chen sure is. Uh, compromised, you know, but she's like a one, you know, a one bad apple, but the, you know, you can't say anything about the whole barrel. But I think once parents of these, of children start to realize that these people are pulling a grift on their entire school system and their kids are going to be the collateral damage, then I think, you know, the, you know, the mom bear claws are going to come out. They are. And Education is mobilizing Asian American voters more than crime and policing. You know, yes, I'd agree. This is what happens. Is this is that when you when you get the apolitical normies in the suburbs to get political, you have definitely touched a nerve, and you're going yes. to have to expect there's going to be huge shifts. It's going to be huge change coming. This is yeah. what's going to do it. It wasn't high gas prices. It wasn't George Floyd. It wasn't like a fucking global pandemic. It's going to turn out to be education. I'm not talking just Asian American normies anymore either. I'm talking about just like normie normies. Yeah, like I, it's, everyone normies. And it's it's kind of a perfect test case for this uh, for the for for the social moment because it's. Uh, there's some fights where you can kind of you can be suspicious of both sides of the fight, right? Like you can s- kind of sense how both sides can have ulterior motives that are not for the greater good. When this one, though, like, what are we going to suspect that parents aren't going to bat for their children? Like, are, uh, yeah. like what kind of <laughs> ulterior motive? And like, this is mil- somehow you can like frame like millions and millions of parents across the country as uh, going against the interests of their children. I don't um, think yeah. it's going to work yeah. when the mainstream media paints a lot of these parents as like 
these are just parents that are upholding white supremacy and they're like, you know, just very fringe right wing fascist parents. I don't think it's going to work. Well, let's take a moment to unpack that because, uh, you know, people talk about this like rightward shift, Republican shift of Asian Americans. I think that deserves a little bit more attention than it's, than it's getting a little bit more thought, uh, starting to hate the word nuance, but a little bit, let's just a little bit more care than is, uh, put in the media. Like, I think when people talk about that, it's again, scaremongering for non-Asians primarily, I think, or quote the, the good Asians to clutch their pearls. Like, oh the my coast. God, I can't, yeah. I can't believe what's going on. Uh, but when they, when they, so it's supposed to, it's, they just call it a rightward shift to Republicans to immediately start like scare beat on these uh, scaremongering like Trump wagon, right? Like, oh, these people are all just going to vote in Trump or they're going to vote in all these bad things that we've associated with Republicans. That's what's like, you're supposed to just conflate the two, right? Rightward shift directly to like MAGA, white nationalists, fascism, um, you know, Trump, all of that stuff. I suspect that it's something a little bit different. I think a lot when we're talking about the suburbs, if or like, and we're talking primarily like blue or like you said, like purple areas. Um, my town Democrats is a perfect example have- of this. Like my, my town mm-hmm. is the perfect example of this. It's probably the most ultimate centrist towns. In 2016, there were Trump signs everywhere. And then in 2020, there were Biden signs everywhere. Oh, interesting. Okay. So this is like, this is totally a, a very purple town. This is... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like it like basically like not not very like ideologically driven, not politically driven. There's no like home team that you guys are fighting for. I honestly think everybody moved out here to just be left alone, unbothered. They don't want to think about politics. A lot of these big culture battles that people are upset about is like you know like the trans thing. It's like oh come on, there's like none around here, or like uh, pride parades. I haven't seen a single pride flag for all of June. You know, it's July 1st already. I never, if you lived in this town and never opened up Twitter or like watched CNN, you would probably not even realize that it was pride month at all. Mm-hmm. It just didn't, yeah, so none of that stuff about, existed. Uh, that, during that during like, the summer of rage, there was not a single protest in this town. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Trump, like- I think Trump was uh, uh, the because I think that there's a lot of like religiosity among uh, left liberalism these days, and Trump is basically like a Satan type figure. Yeah, where yeah, you, you know, it reminds me. Do you remember Church Lady back in the day on SNL? Um, Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like, she would, like, disapprove of you and then start going, like, hmm, could it be <laughs> Satan? Right? And it was it was basically, like, you know, if if you didn't fall in line with the hustle. I mean, because ultimately, at the end of the day, like church, it is an organized hustle, right? Like, there is – it's a power play. It's a power and money play at the highest levels of, of the institution. And if you are not going to play along with that, you know, they 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 start doing the Dana Carvey. Are you a Trump supporter? Are you a MAGA? You know, <laughs> and uh, I think it served the same purpose. And I think Trump's Trump is a noxious weed. I mean, he is uh, uh, in many ways, uh, um, uh, you know, pretty shitty, right? Like, but uh, when I'm no he was Trump right, supporter. He was very right. He is not Satan. He is no, not, not to me untouchable. I don't like him. 
I there's things about him that I I detest, but in all honesty, I think Biden has been an objectively worse president. And I don't, you know, when you say that, there's still people who just <gasps> as if I had just said something about, you know, Satan, you know, like like the Satan devil. made some points the other day. Yeah, you gotta give you know, it to him. I, you know, he's right. Trump is not Hitler. Yeah, he's not Hitler. You know why? Because he's not Hitler. You know, like it's it's, it's it, you know yeah, so the simple fact that he was voted out. I, I thought it, I, I I couldn't stop laughing. You know, when everyone like thank God we defeated fascism, we voted Trump out. Yeah, because fascist dictators are known for abiding by political processes. There's such like, this battle over red wh- versus blue, but I think that people fail to like take into account that the purple areas also went Trump in 2016. That's mm-hmm. just how fed up people were with like Hillary and the coastal elites. Yeah. We're not properly accounting for um, like how much like politics is one about people being able to dispassionately analyze what, what, what they feel politicians and parties will be able to do for them on a day-to-day basis and be how much of it is a reaction to the party in charge. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we, we act like we just have this team that we're fighting for. Um, we just, we just owe it loyalty that we like declare a team when we're 18 and that's who we have to stick with. Like we're obligated to or something like Matt Taibbi um, uh, pointed something out that I I think about quite a bit, which is uh, how the map of foreclosures in the 2008 financial meltdown Mm -hmm. pretty neatly tracks to areas with the most, uh, with the most uh, like support for Trump in 2016. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. You're saying it was a trigger for that. It was a trigger. Yeah. yeah. Even in, he even looked in areas like he even looked at, you know, voting patterns of, of these regions in that time. So these are a lot of these counties went for Obama in 2008 and 2012 and 2012. Um, But then when push came to shove and it came down to Hillary Clinton or Trump, they, 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 they went for Trump and it was, Mm -hmm. and his theory, and I think it holds up is that it's uh, the frustration and the feeling of abandonment by the Democrats uh, in 2008 contributed to that to that uh, to that outcome in 2016 so when we talk about a rightward shift in asian americans especially in these blue or like like you said purple areas how much of that is actually like falling in line with like the maga the maga ideology and right. simply red saying shouldn't that the be current- associated with bad it's not red yeah. bad blue good and like oh my god asian americans are shifting right they're turning into bad guys that's not how it works yeah, and at federal politics and at local politics, these mean different things. Very different things. Very yeah. Different. Um, yeah, and like- also, also, it's not to me. It's like if you want to break the notion of ideology, you've got to be able to flip flop between red and blue. Like uh, this idea of loyalty to a party is very anti democratic because yeah, it, it falls into this notion that you, as a as a voter, your job is to show up for the team. And I'm like, no, my job is to show up for me. What the fuck are you talking about? Right? Like it yeah. is to show up for me. It is show up to for my kids, my family, like, you know, my community. I'm not here to show up for Pelosi and her, mm. uh, you know, or Schumer and his narrow, uh, you know, majority. I don't care about them. Yeah, and- I want the president that gave us $2 and $50 gas and sent everyone checks for like $3,200. Yeah, yeah, I want I, that. I, I wa- yeah, exactly. I Or I don't want the president who who is Tells escalating us towards World stomach. War III. Right? <laughs> yeah. so- stomach high gas prices. Yeah, yeah, exactly. freedom, I mean, he, guys, he, he literally freedom. had his aide on CNN the other day saying like, look, this is just the price we're going to have to pay. I mean, what's at stake 
is not four or five dollar gas at the pump. It's the future of liberal hegemony. And I'm like, gives a shit. It's the future of NATO, people. NATO. I'm like, dude, m- most Americans have no idea what NATO even stands for. What are you talking about? Nobody cares. Um, it also stands for the North American Theater Organization. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just. If you are I, in movie circles, that's what it stands for. That one's <laughs> going to get dismantled before the, before the military body. Yeah. Dismantle NATO. So the other day I tweeted that Asian Americans are shifting right. And I also am shifting right. I'm not afraid to admit it. I want to say it out loud. I'm going to shift right because everything that the blue side is offering is what I don't want. Like everything that I said I don't want is what they are forcing me to take and telling me that I have to stomach it. So I want to try something different. And everyone is proving me right when I ask the question, what will become of us who shift rightwards. And everyone just wants to go on these, like, let me explain to you a couple things. Um, you know, it's, oh, it's part of the whole imperialist order or like this whole like two party system just serves capitalism and imperialism. It's like, I know, I don't care. I'm focusing well, it, on local it, politics, it, it, right? And it's like, what am I supposed to do about that? Imperialism and capitalism, those are also things that I equate with like religion almost. Like it's But then what do they but what okay, but if you're saying that it? what do you they want you to do? Against imperialism. You just but, can't. but what is but what do they want you to do? I think you can. They're I think you can vote against me. it. I think you would vote for Trump in that case. But anti intervention. Uh, yeah. You're voting for the person that wants to keep the money and the activity at home. Right? Well he, well, he hated NATO. Yeah, I remember that. And he fired that. his national security advisor, the equivalent now of what, who would be Jake Sullivan, who's just getting us into World War Three. He fired John Bolton, who's now like a fucking Democrat. He fired John Bolton. Why? He said, all that motherfucker ever wanted to do was start did a war. Did he fire Steve Bannon too? <laughs> yes, he did. Right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I'm not sa- look, I'm not saying that Trump is a good guy, okay? Well, why I'm do just you have saying, to? I don't I mean, care. Is Biden what, a good guy? Look who no yeah, one ever asked. Exactly. No one ever asked the question of a Democrat president: Is he a good guy? And, it's like, and, was Obama a good guy? Probably not. And this is this is my message to people guy? who I Probably think are, are. So why do we have to ask the questions? Like, I'm not saying that Trump is a. Why do we have to say that? Like, why do we have to put that disclaimer there? Like, be, I'm not saying that DeSantis because that's is a good the guy. next thing they're going to say. Because I know every time okay, that's the next thing they're going to say. Back on. I'm like, stop asking me that. Well, here, well, let, let's go on the offense here for a sec, okay? I think that. What's going on when people say that is like when you say like, well, if we vote, if you go to the right, uh, what will become of us? Like, first of all, I don't know what going to the right means. I'm saying that it means I for voting am, for the opposite of who's in power now, which is the blue. Yes, yeah, they yeah, have, exactly. They have I'm voting for the other party now. I don't know who I'm going to vote for because I don't know who's running, but I'm saying that I actually don't want to just throw my vote away to a third party because that gets me only halfway. That, the is the, that, that is I want to give to the, the solution that is, that is offered to me. My yeah. DMs were filled with like, you know, you can always go for the third party. And I'm like, I don't okay. want to. But I here's don't the thing. Do that. Here's the thing for people like that. Look, it's not as radical a thing as you think it is to not vote or vote for a third party. I also you, don't want to not vote the, again. So basically, if you have three choices when it comes to voting, okay, one is vote Dem. The, the other is to vote for the opposition, Republican. And then the middle position is to not vote or vote for a third party that has no chance of winning. So well, I don't want the middle position. Right. I actually so, want something to happen. I want, yeah, like, I, 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 I want no, but the I'm just opposite saying that of what I have now. What I'm saying is that that middle position 
or that that not voting that's actually a middle position that is the ultimate centrist position because it's like well i just won't participate the the hardest if you if you have a problem with the party in power the the hardest smack that you could give them is to vote for the op- opposition of course yeah. that's actually the most quote radical thing you can do and that is why white people get so much attention because they absolutely will do that. They will vote Trump and then they will vote for Biden. They don't give a fuck. The swing mm-hmm. voter, the mythical swing voter, that's who everyone's chasing after. And that's the people whose interests matter the most. And now that's Asian why, Americans are block, are turning into a gigantic block of swing voters, which is a good thing. Yeah. That's why all of a sudden with those people, we started talking about things like, oh, maybe, you know, that's when we started normalizing very socialist things like, uh, 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 what is it, basic income or whatever, universal basic income, UBI, and then, yeah. you know, which really paved the way for these stimmy payments, right? Uh, we started talking about stuff like that. Why? Child tax because credits. Yeah, because they were chasing after swing voters. Swing voters were like, look, if you don't give me shit. I'm going to vote for the opposite. Fuck you. I'm not, I'm a free agent here. So I don't know. To me, it's like very religious in a way for people to say, what will become of you if you vote right? What happens when you cave? When you let Satan into your house? <laughs> what happens to your soul? Do you not see? I'm like, I'm just voting for the opposite. I, have, I could do a minus one, a zero or a one. But then they get into these really weird conversations about what's going to happen to us. What the fuck do you think is going to happen to us? Nothing. I'm I wish be the I same could publicize my DMs. I wish I could, but that would be an <laughs> asshole thing to do. But my DMs are just filled with people talking about yeah, imperial- imperialism and capitalism. Things that I'm just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, that's great. But I want something to change like next year. Well, like I haven't seen, um, I haven't seen a strong argument for exactly what to do. I've seen a lot of people uh, who are, I believe them when they say that they are opposed to like imperialism, capitalism, are completely yeah, I mean, disconnected like from saying, the political my, process. Yeah. But they we say they won't are. vote. But the <laughs> most they help. can say how is, is the that middle they won't position. Vote. How was the middle position in this case uh, uh, a, a stronger attack? I don't, I don't understand not. how if your if your choices are one zero and minus one, how is zero the the strongest position? I don't get it. I think because it's a virtue it's signal. It's, it's a virtue signal Obviously saying I'm too good for politics because I've got nothing in the game. I've got nothing to lose. I think, I think it's a virtue really signal, is. but I also think it is a form of religious thinking. I think that it goes deeper than just what, virtue signal. Atheist signaling. thinking. The no, zero I is th- the atheist. Or the agnostic? No, zero is it? No, I think it's a. I think it's that whole like what happens to our souls. You know, it's like they're they're afraid that if you go out and you're just tactical and you don't, I don't vote with my heart. I vote with my fucking checkbook. I vote with my brain, and I'm not like wedded. I'm not voting for like a god. I'm not voting for a uh, a wife or a husband or a <laughs> father figure or anything like that. I'm voting for the fucking president. Mm-hmm. Okay, like it's not you know it's this guy or that other fucking guy, right? And uh, if I want, I the thing I really want to do is I I, I want to walk. I w- just want to smack every Democrat in the face mm-hmm. because I'm like you're you're clearly not doing like there's something going on with you. You all are corrupted and clearly not in service of the things that you claim to be in service of because you hold fucking majorities in both houses in both chambers. And, you know, you control Congress and you control the White House and you're still like, I'm too weak. 
I'm too weak. You need to vote. We can't. I'm like, you knew about Roe. You knew about Roe months ahead of time and you did years, nothing. Because haven't years. they been trying you, to overtone yeah. for forever? For 50 years, actually, you knew that they were coming for it. Was it not Obama longer who was like. I've been alive. Longer than I've, yeah. I've been alive. Yeah. This and has so, been on the. <laughs> on yeah. The and Obama in 2009 specifically when asked because they had a draft bill to codify Roe. He was like, it's below my line. He went to moth. He was like, it's below my line. It, he literally said, this is not a legislative priority. He said, uh, I don't want to pick that fight right now. Biden promised it. They're like, they're not, they're not lifting a finger. They went, they went after uh, Kavanaugh. They went after Thomas, all the lib- they told all the liberal protesters to go throw pebbles at their house. Nobody showed up at Manchin's house. Manchin's the one that was like, fuck you, you're not codifying shit this term. If they're going to people's houses, how is that different from January 6th? Because it's the liberals doing it. Yeah, it's fine if the liberals... Look, they are the, on- saying the that, Republicans exactly are the here. ontological enemy. You can do no wrong against them. <laughs> it, it has yeah, I mean, become a religious fight here. And, um, and I don't care either way. I mean, Jan 6 and showing up at Kavanaugh's Hall is e- e- equally uninteresting to me. But I'm saying, like, why didn't they show up at Manchin's house? Why didn't they pressure Manchin to vote yes on that bill? Uh, you know, wh- why is it anyone holding them to account? The fucking Democrats, they, they're they in control of government and they're just like, I can't, I can't do anything. You got to show up to the polls. You got to show up to the polls. I'm like, for what? For what? What we showed up to the polls last time to get you these majorities, and you're like, you got to show up to the polls for what? And I guarantee well, my you, my response is that I'm going to show up to the polls and vote for the other guy. Exactly. I think it's time for you to fucking lose, because if they win again, let's say they uh, keep or or increase the majority. God knows that's not going to happen. But let's just say if they did, I guarantee you, when it comes to Roe, they're going to be like, you know, Pelosi's going to be like, look, you know, as if you everyone knew this going into this into that election, that this is a very complicated issue. And, you know, this is going to take some time, especially in committee, to get something out that everyone's going to be able to agree on. Yeah. So, you know, this is in committee. We're working on it. We promise you we're, we're, we've got everything that we, we're, we're pushing it as far as we can, as quickly as possible. But again, as everyone knew going into this, this was going to be a very complicated thing. So now I want to talk more about more pressing matters, which is the Ukraine aid bill. We've got to get those <laughs> weapons over there like yesterday, you know? And I'm like, it's more the same. Like you guys told us, like, you know, this is going to be the most important election of our lives. And then let's say we all showed up and now, you know, they have even larger majorities. It's going to be the same shit. I know I it. I didn't vote I in the it. last election, but I wish I voted for Trump. I really do. I, w- I would have, re- you know, I know. I would have revised my vote to Trump. I honestly, I, voted, I would have. I wrote in Bob Dole. Uh, that's that's <laughs> Bob Dole. He was still alive for that one, actually. I have my reasons. We can go into that later. But mm-hmm. anyway, I voted There's for Bob Dole. There's a whole episode on it. It'll on be a Bob Dole. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, people say Bush v. Gore. I actually rolled that one. I think Clinton v. Dole was a more uh, prescient <laughs> election. No, seriously, mm-hmm. Dole was like a pro. He was a pro consumer privacy guy. Uh, like his campaign. I'm pretty sure his campaign website is still up. In fact, or maybe they took it down when he passed away. But he wanted a strong consumer privacy law in the books. Again, privacy. If you care about things like like abortion, uh, now they're talking scaremongering about like interracial marriage and gay marriage and, and and all of these things. Everything that's kind of a privacy do- relies on a privacy doctrine, as in like the citizens' protection from government knowing about their business. Here, Bob Dole had it covered. And he was going against Clinton, who was at that time doing like one of his one of his his pet projects was uh, the the chip, 
right? The backdoor chip in every PC sold because he felt that the government had had a right to know what people are doing on their computers. Shit like that, right? Anyway, that aside. Do you guys think that Roe versus Wade is enough to swing the election back in favor of the Democrats or are the normies going to ignore it like they always have? I don't think that it's enough. No, I don't think it's enough. I don't not, I, nobody, I think the normies are just going to ignore it and just be like, well, it doesn't affect us anyway. Well, normies are like the like this idea, like there's like a far red and blue split along purely partisan lines. I think that's also kind of a myth, right? Like it's every poll shows totally. that like like a plur- a large plurality of Americans, what it was like between 60 and 70 percent are just like like whatevs about abortion in like the first trimester. Right. And mm-hmm. then increasingly resistant after that. This means mm-hmm. that the majority of Americans are fine with the concept. This is not as contentious as it's made out to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think like very online people. Yeah. So um, not to say that the laws that are made don't don't have an impact. Clearly they are. Um, But now we're we're in the era of like states, state level conflict. I don't think it's going to be enough to swing uh, swing the election at the federal level, because, again, like most of the people, uh, most of people. Like the people in blue states, nothing has changed, right? No, in probably. fact, like all these states are gonna, probably going to be doubling down Correct. on accessibility yes, and funding for reproductive the, yes, care. Yes, yes, particularly in the cities, because I think that, like, I don't even think that Roe versus Wade is or the abortion uh, debate is enough to swing even a local election. Yeah, I don't think. Well, so. I think the problem that the Democrats is going to stay exactly the same. Well, I think the problem that the Democrats are facing is like, okay, fine. Uh, there, there is a good chunk of people out there that are very upset about Roe being overturned. But w- what's the connection between that and me turning out and voting for Democrats? There isn't. Like, what, the problem what, with what, the Democrats the is that the problem with the Democrats what, what is that do? they cater to very online people. Republicans are much better at catering to the normies. Like we've shown that the okay the Republicans are the party that's uh, that's attacking reproductive reproductive health access okay that's the party that's the, that's their platform that's what we're going for Democrats are supposed to be the ones safeguarding reproductive care exactly. access but they're but not what are they doing they're doing that's, nothing I think that people who actually they don't have care any this- track record to fall back on to say this is how we are protecting and expanding your your right to to reproductive health care including abortion they can't say that so we have one party gunning against it coming for these rights and we have one party doing nothing against it you mm-hmm. don't have a friend in this fight yeah <laughs> there just i think isn't that one. people see that i think that people are starting you're already starting to see it did you see when kamala was was pushed by uh uh, I forgot her name on on CNN. Oh, CNN. Oh, her yeah. obnoxious <laughs> laughter. No, well, no. So, so the I forgot the the woman's name. She's one of the C- big CNN anchors. Was it Dana and Bash? She, yeah, Dana Bash. And Dana Bash asked Kamala. She's like, okay, so what do you say to uh, you know Democ- Democratic voters who said we worked so hard to get majorities, and you have them now? Why don't you just codify? Do it now. Why don't you? Why don't you do something about it now? And Kamala's response was, do what? What do you want us to do? Do what now? Oh, my God. I mean, it it was unbelievable. She was like, we did a lot. We gave you the child tax credit. She really was stomped by this. Like, you could see the confusion on her face. She was, like, nodding, like, pretending to be listening or whatever. And then, like, wait, what what do you mean? Do what exactly here? So I I think that the Democrats really believed, like, you know, what you said, Liza, about how they they, uh, cater to sort of this online. um, They symbolically cater. Yeah. But I think that 
I think the quote normie, the silent majority of Dem voters, uh, ha- they're actually aware now of you know the utter fecklessness and in and lack of leadership and I and action mm-hmm. of Biden. I mm-hmm. think they know it, and that's why his approval ratings are in the fucking toilet. I mean, they're they're lower than I think anything Trump has ever experienced, even at the worst parts of COVID. Uh, He had a higher approval rating than Biden. And this is leaving aside, you know, the mega issue, which has been shunted aside for the past couple days, which is the economy and the price of gas and inflation. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I guess I don't know. This is kind of like we're we're, this is this is fun, but like we should close it out soon. But I just want to summarize, like for the listener, the one thing that I think that I'm trying to say here personally, and maybe we should all try and say our piece. What is Mm -hmm. it we're trying to get across? I think it's like, look, voting is not, it's not an, a religious act. It is not an expression of your soul. And, and, and I think that if you get too caught up in a lot of the online discussions about politics, it, the reason people get really upset about it and the reason people get very hot, you know, tempers flare and it's almost impossible to talk to people who don't agree with you or whatever is because you've got your soul tied up in it. Mm-hmm. Your your soul has been tied up in what is, in my opinion, and I think there's a lot of evidence to support this, is is like 95% grift. Mm-hmm. And that happened. And I think the story about Tina Chen is just a small illustration of what I'm talking about. They attach themselves to very hot button issues that you probably they know you probably feel great, very deeply about. And then they grift and they cheat and they lie. So you're, the voting, you should be as detached as those people. And you need to be detached about your interests, what you care about, how to send a message. You need to be dispassionate. How do I send that message? That's why I would say I would have gone back if I knew what I knew about Biden now and what he's doing with NATO and how he's getting us towards World War III. And I know that Trump hated NATO. Mm-hmm. And I Trump, I know that Trump would have done something inappropriate to Macron. I know he would have done something weird to Johnson. You know, all this. He would have, like, I don't know, grabbed Macron's balls or something. So it's just some <laughs> awful thing, you know. And then he would have said something about how Putin is actually a really nice guy and he's really good with a horse. Like, and we would have avoided a and war. And we would have avoided it. I think that we might have avoided this Ukraine thing. So, yes, I would have gone back and I would have voted for Trump. And that doesn't make me MAGA because I don't give a shit about MAGA. It's not in my soul that I voted for, would have voted for him. My identity okay. is not tied up to the party. It's that not I vote exactly. For. He I is a useful care. idiot in the in in what I do care about, which is I don't want to fight a fucking war with Russia. That's it. So that that's the, the one thing I just want to say. It's just like just take yourself out of it a little bit because it is not religion. It is not God You're and not- Satan and your spirits. It's not that. It's just a fucking game. So. That's my piece. Yeah, we anyway. uh, people are fetishizing this concept of like liberal democracy. Like, you, you like on election day, everyone kind of you know the, the corny the corny morons will roll out and be like, "Look, I voted today." Like they're taking communion or something. Look at my sticker. Like they've taken yeah, like they've walked into church and then received like the holy wine or the blessed wine or something. Like this is their participation in the sacred event. No, this is democracy. This is actually the least romanticized, least like sexy form of governance because those motherfuckers work for us. We are hiring them to do a job. This is what I mean. I hate Republicans and Democrats alike who fetishize this in different ways. Republicans will say like, "Oh, you know, like I hate the Republican line." Like, "Oh, these are hardworking people. They don't want handouts from the government." Fuck you. Yes, I do. 
Do you know how much you're right. paying taxes? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I want shit out of my government. Yes, shower me in money and benefits. Yeah. Give me some reason to keep voting for you. You can absolutely buy my vote. I don't see why buying your vote has to have this negative a connotation. It's no, you guys, I am giving my vote to whoever says that I get the most shit out of it. I have to see a benefit out of this. I listened to um, the New York Times podcast with. Um... Jay Caspian Kang. What is it called again? The Daily? Yeah. I listened to that episode that he did on the school boards and it's an hour long podcast. And I think that all the meat is at the last 15 minutes of the podcast, Mm -hmm. especially his very last line where he says, are progressive politics, are, are progressive policies harmful or helpful to Asian Americans? And I think that's what Asian Americans have to ask themselves. Don't tie yourself to either side. Ask yourselves that. And if you find that they don't, and I'm finding that they don't, then you vote the opposite. Mm-hmm. Vote for what does actually help us. Because I care about my kids. I care about my kids' future. Like, my oldest kid is 11. In 10 years, he's going to be 21. He's going to be, like, an adult in the world. And I don't have time to, like, I don't have time for a revolution to dismantle, like, all these institutions, you know, that have been around forever. Or been yeah, around you for want him to. I need him. You want to him to be an educated system. adult, right? I need. And him you to need him to not be now. Yeah, yeah. He needs to I mean, know this... how to do it. I don't think that like taking on like an anti-capitalist, anti-imperialist stance. I don't think that that sets a really good example for the kids. I think it makes them too nihilistic. They have to but survive. We're facing real stakes. Like, like we could be faced. We're pick. We're dangerously close to war with uh, with two nuclear superpowers. In fact, mm-hmm. one of them is one. One of them we are existentially dependent on. In fact, mm-hmm. I'm sure you don't want your kid. Like, there's no way to to opt out of the system, right? You 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 stay too far on the sidelines, and your kids become fodder for the war machine. Yeah, I don't want to take the middle ground, which is to not vote or for to vote for a third party. I don't want to do that. I want to yeah. participate. I mean, there may be cases where you do want to do that because you, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's even Stevens. I don't really care. Okay. But like, if you do care, then probably the middle ground is not the right approach. You should pick uh, either you really strongly support this candidate or you really hate this fucking candidate and you vote directly against him for their viable opponent who might win. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you got, I think it's just, you know, we've got to think about it almost like we think about investing money or the way we think about, you know, other things that, you know, we, we don't really, you know, we're, we're taught to be like gambling, right? Like we're taught to be dispassionate, to take your emotions out of it so you can make rational choices. And I think that's what this needs to be. We need to make, be, be about making rational choices. I don't and care not about bring the name whole- calling that I'm going to get online. Yeah. I don't care I- about if people like the NPR crowd and the university crowd is going to be appalled at my choices. I don't care. In fact, not only should people not care, but that should be... The fact that people are doing that, the fact that they have mobilized people to pressure you into who to vote for, to, to use shame techniques, to use uh, things like that, that should be a clue that you should definitely not get passionate about this because they're trying so hard to manipulate your vote one way and or another. And not doing the one thing that would actually work, which is present a present better a offer. Present Make a better a offer. Better yeah. offer. You yeah. won't do that, but you'll call me names. You'll call Eliza names, like. Mm. And I think the dem- like I live in California, a deep blue state. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. Right. The Democrats are not making a credible case for why they need overwhelming majorities throughout, you know, throughout the government. That's California. This is a Democrat owned state. And Mm. all of our problems, that means that all of our problems can be traced to Democrat misrule, mismanagement. Tell me again why more of this, but at the federal level, solves anything here. I'm not saying that I'm voting. I'm not saying I'm being a. I'm. I haven't made a decision on how I'd vote because I haven't seen. I haven't seen what they're about. But I'm just saying, like, like the Democrats need to make a better case for themselves because coming from a deep blue state like mine, I'm. I'm not seeing any fundamental fundamental root benefit to giving them giant majorities unless they make their case known, and they're willing to put some teeth behind and behind uh, behind making that shit happen. And, and I think people need to look, we need to do work too, right? Like we need to figure out what our priorities are. I, I, the older I get, the more I realize this is not about getting everything right. You can't get everything right. I guarantee you the platforms of the parties are not going to be consistent with everything that you care about or whatever. Okay. It's not going to get everything right. But what's important, I think, as I get older is like, you got to prioritize. Mm-hmm. Some things are more important than others, and it's mm-hmm. not going to be the same for everyone. Your priorities are going to be different than other people's. And if you disagree on priorities, fine, but that doesn't necessarily mean you should change your priorities. So I don't know. To me, the most important thing is like get, just get your – look at all the issues that are out there. It's hopeless to find someone who's going to be on the same side as you for everything. Mm-hmm. But you do have to prioritize and be like, okay, I'm going to go based on this thing. Right. I'm going to go based on his foreign policy. That's for me. The thing other people may be like, I care about I care about abortion rights. Then do that. Fine. You know, yeah, that's your issue. That's That's fine. But that's not going to be my issue. It's not my issue. It's not other people's issue. And 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 we've got to be comfortable with that. We've got to be comfortable with that in a democracy. People. The whole point of it is to find compromise upon people that have different fucking priorities. Right. So. I, I don't know. I think we've gotten really far away as we talk more about how how sanctimonious democracy is. We've gotten away from the actual practice of it, you know, which which has always been, I think, uh, a dispassionate exercise where we bring our own individual priorities and issues to the table rather than coming and showing up for the team. What team? Well, what fucking team? We've kind of lost sight of enlightened self-interest. That's, that's supposed to be one of the one yeah, of the doctrines def- that democracy w- operates on. Like you can't lose sight. Of, this is actually central to this whole thing. Asian Americans, especially, are expected to vote in other people's self interest, and I'm sick yes. and tired mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, and, they're, and they hate us when we do it. And guess what? I think that is the moment we start waking up to realize, oh, we're not surrounded by people that love us and are going to be, you know, watching out after our own best interest. This is America. Everyone does it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Let's start doing that too. And if you care mm-hmm. about assimilation into America, if you want to shed your, uh, you know, your, eight, what, what did uh, Janelle Wong call it? The, uh, or or Poyan Hoon, Yoon, uh, the budding ethno-nationalism of Asian Americans. Okay. God. If you want to like step out of the, uh, you know, the uncouth Asian jungle from which you came forth, if you want to get out of that, the moment you get out of that is when you realize you just step right back into a different jungle called America. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so it's just as full contact over here as it is over there. Okay. America is not a place full of loving liberals that care about you and your, no, all those people are fucking liars. All right. It is when it comes down to it, bottom line, people are voting for their priorities. They care about their grift. 
They care about their fucking self-interest. It's the sheep that get killed. It's the sheep that are fucking preyed upon. And a lot of times, that's us. That's the newcomers. That's the Asian Americans. You're not integrated. You're just being kept dumb so that you're easily preyed upon. You know, and yeah. so it's the if you really care about becoming an American and and quote assimilating is when you realize this place is a jungle and we all fight for ourselves and nobody is going to be happy about that except for yourself and your own community. Nobody's going to applaud you for doing that, but that's not why you do it. So, you know, I don't know. I think we I mean, need to wake the, the fuck up. And the, and the enlightened part of enlightened self-interest is the idea that across a big population, if people focus on the things that actually matter to them and live and vote according to that, this is kind of a tide, a rising tide that lifts all boats, right? Like Asian parents going going hard into the paint on making sure and safeguarding like education standards for their kids. Is this a thing that detracts from anyone else, any other community's goals here? No. Yeah, it, it, track, it only tracks the from this, this small little DEI <laughs> yeah. grift. That's what <laughs> it's people for. act like people act like like okay, like like Asians going in the paint for education or like uh like I don't know So like, anti black. So anti black no, or something. Or or like other communities I think are associated with different causes. So like like Latinos and Hispanics that, that are that go that go for like immigration laws or, you know, um people that go for like like police reform or whatever people kind of act like this is just a like intra like intra community benefit that they're seeking at everyone else's expense but if you take that if you kind of take a step back this is the thing that like everyone kind of needs to be on top of just different groups are affected differently and some people take the take the lead on some issues that to me seems like this is this is actually working just people need to focus on their own shit. Like we cannot speak. Like we don't. Ha- we can't have the energy to do everything all at once. You got to pick a lane, and you got to figure out what's above and below your line. To quote another Asian American who <laughs> got some serious uh, got some serious backlash for uh, saying that uh, for saying that what you you the Ukraine, Ukraine war was below his line. No, the Uyghurs in China. Oh uh, yeah, the Chamath, Uyghurs in yeah. China. Yeah, Chamath. Yeah. Um, he he laid it out. It's an ugly truth, but it's true. It's it's anathema to a liberal like an an elevated liberal mindset. But if you're going to actually live and function in this world, I think that's the pragmatic position to take. You can't do everything. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been going pretty hard in the paint for education too. Like he's really upset by um, the the state of decay that the system is in. For his mm-hmm. own children. Be. I think yeah. the right word shift to, the, to, to, to loop this back to what um, we started with and, and Liza's framing of the whole pod is that I think that this quote right word shift, if you want to call it that, and the willingness of Asian Americans to drift away from the liberal progressive wing of the Democratic Party, in some cases even just leave the Democratic Party altogether and vote for the Republican or run as Republican or, or you know, it's not all just voting. It's also even being candidate uh, mm-hmm. and running for office. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's not that I am happy about a rightward shift, but I do think that if there is a, quote, Asian-American political awakening, which I think is happening, right, I would expect that that awakening would be uh, – that would come – it would coincide with the Asian-American turning into a swing voter. I think that to mm-hmm. me the, the is – The rightward a, shift right now should be seen as democracy in action. Yes, Yes, it's us being swing voters, not right wing ideologues, is my point. Exactly. Yes, yeah, and, yeah. And that is a very different thing. And people who insist that this means that Asian Americans 
want to sign up for white supremacist, you know, this or that. We're going to be flying, t- uh, burning tiki torches and and breaking the windows of of you know non white business owners or whatever. Oh God! Like keep jacking what the off fuck are you talking little, about? Like, fantasy. What what the fuck are you There's talking no about? <laughs> and who was burning our businesses down? Right. So exactly. So let's let's like I think that the awakening is not going to be, and I think this was the belief for fucking frustrating number of decades under liberal under I think uh, what was really a neoliberal like dominant era was that we would finally wake up to the fact that we were liberal progressives. And we would all just vote Democrat for the rest of our days. And that to no, me is, you. that is political paralysis. That is political delusion. Suicide, uh, yeah. It, it has to be that we're swing voters. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. Uh, anything else, I think, is just capture. Uh, and and I'm sorry, but, and I think black voters are starting to wake up to this too. And Latino, Latino voters are waking up definitely to this too. Definitely are. They definitely are. Um, maybe the Democratic Party... And, and and just get and guaranteeing them our vote doesn't actually get them to care about us and our issues at all, right? So uh, maybe you have to uh, be a little bit harder to get, you know, than than we have been in the past. You know, I want to get into that. I think uh, also um, people being confused about why there's so many like on a different pod. I think we're we're out of time on this one, but yeah, I I, I don't think it should be as confusing as it is to see like racial minorities uh, trend quote conservative. It is um, it is hard to it is hard to undo ideologies, but yes, you're yeah. right. I think once you see it, it's obvious. Yeah, but um, when I you're think we if you're operating under it. these ideologies, it's very difficult because you again. I think the ideologies. It, the reason it, it's so hard is because it 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 attaches to the deepest parts of you, your soul, mm-hmm. I think <laughs> right? For your too, heart. Too long, people have yeah. just assumed that like not white equals Democrat. Yeah, you know, I noticed this all the way when I was in when I was in college and I was in college Republicans, and everybody would be so shocked to find out that like. What, which one are you in? I'm in college Republicans. Why? And I'm like, do you ever ask the like the Asian people in college Democrats why they're in college Democrats, or do you just assume that that's the right way to be? Like they're the they're yeah. like the default. And yeah, that's the thing one, that they do. That, because they like do I said, yeah, it attaches why, very why deep would, into right. people re- will question how could you as an Asian woman vote Republican? And I'm like, I'm sorry, is Democrat somehow associated with Asian women in a very deep way, or what the fuck are you talking about here? You know what I'm saying? Like, how how did that connection get made? Right? We need to break that. That was an intentional. That was an intentional, calculated political maneuver. It, mm-hmm. Clinton but didn't start it, now. but he perfected like they, they, it's, it. It's so ingrained in how everyone looks at us, which is why when Asian Americans shift rightward, it's seen as like, oh, how dare you? Yeah, we're seen yeah. as property. Yeah. Also, I take offense to to the idea that okay, a rightward shift by all the like we see a, a record number of Black, uh, Hispanic, and Asian voters into the Republican Party, but you see like Democrat writing on this, and it's like it's like uh, it's perceived as we're just thro- we're just like being passive, voiceless supporters of the of the party of the Republican Party as it is. Or something. Uh, there's no indication that uh, people feel that they have the more capacity to effect change in that party or leverage the party for anything else. That's that's kind of demonstrative of how the Democrats see racial minorities. Then voiceless, passive people that just show up to the ballot box fundamentally mm-hmm. don't need to be that taken care of. You can kind of take them for granted, basically. So when you see them them go, they're like, oh well, I guess they're just 
that's how they're going to be for the Republicans, too. Uh, I think the Republicans have demonstrated that they actually have a an actual political machine that gets shit done. The overturning they're of better was organized. a decades-long process. And you, that's not to say, like, you're throwing in for that cause. You're saying you recognize that there is an effective machine there that you feel you can have some, cha- you can affect some change in or leverage for your own ends. I will say um, this about Republicans. They are better organized and they understand the importance of local politics. That's, that's, that has been for damn sure. Yeah. Yes. I mean, think about it. If you think about like, okay, let's go on the, the leftist side. How did gays get their rights? Well, they started in local politics and they made alliances with local Democrat politicians. And then eventually they took their issues to the national level. Mm-hmm. So local politics matter more than people think. I always tweet this and everybody ignores me. Oh, well, I think San boring. Francisco. I think San Francisco demonstrated that for Asian Americans. I think we're gonna, we've realized that now. You have to deploy your your political capital in a very pinpoint guided way and make a big splash. And you got to send someone home. You can't just be like, oh, I participated in the biggest march. You know, I I voted for Biden. You know, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> nobody gives yeah. a shit. But you're like, okay, I put you know three million of my own money into kicking Putin out, and now he's got no job because of me. People are going to listen. So, mm-hmm. you know, you get more. You, you can you, delete you, this if you need to, but I have to get going. No, so no, no. I, I think that's going, a good. No, no, no. I think that's a good place to put it down. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll, I, this was a really fruitful discussion. Glad we could, uh, the three of us sit down and, and, and find, I think, some very meaningful areas of agreement here. Yeah, if anyone sees this um, as so. like, oh my god, these these people are like valorizing the Republican Party. No, actually, we're laying out stuff th- that the Democrats could leverage right now to win. We're also saying fuck the Democrats and fuck the Republicans, but we <laughs> yeah. really mean it. Okay, <laughs> so we're not, you know, we're not, we're not saying that. Uh, I, I don't think. Well, I'm not saying that. You know, flippantly. I mean. I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm open saying for we should business. make it difficult for for both parties. We should make it difficult for all politicians. Your yeah. job should be expensive. very hard. <laughs> yep, that's yeah. right. Yep, exactly. I uh, I care I'm about saying, myself, and I care about you all, and I care about people your that vote I like. Is not deserved. It must be yeah. earned. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't make care about rain. these parties. I really don't care about these parties. Anyway, yeah. All right, uh, all right. we'll stop it there. And <laughs> happy Fourth uh, of July, guys. Happy Fourth of July. Yay. And um, set some shit on fire. Eat a lot of meat. Happy delusional end of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm glad you think COVID is over. Yay. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. We'll uh we'll 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 pick this up next time. All right. See y'all. Okay. Bye. Bye.